What is up? What is up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. So we're going to do things a little bit different. Instead of running ads throughout the show, we're going to go uninterrupted. Instead, I'm going to talk to you for about a minute right now, and we're going to talk about the show sponsors. But first, I want to tell you about SteelMaceNation.com. SteelMaceNation.com is a great place, great resource that you could go to. Um, there's a lot of free stuff there, videos and articles. I recommend you read the 10,000 Swings Steel Mace Challenge. It's very unique. It's very difficult. Uh, get a lot of feedback on this one. And a lot of people say they hate it and they love it at the same time because it is a lot of hard work. But uh, it's, a good, it's a good workout program, totally free for you. And you could start it today if you want. If that's something that's not your speed, there's plenty of other things you can check out on steelmacenation.com, such as the Steel Mace Workshop or the 21 Day Steel Mace Challenge, which is an ebook. Uh, it's broken down into a couple different things. One of them is a mindset chapter, another one is uh, smoothie recipes, you know, just easy to make delicious smoothies. And then, of course, there's the whole 21 Day Fitness Challenge that, uh, follows all these different workout programs. So you can check those out. Uh, another option would be the membership where for $8.99 a month, you gain access to a bunch of different recorded workouts where you follow along full workouts uh, set up in, you know, cool locations. And there's not just me on there, fellow mace enthusiast coach and firefighter uh, George Wiggins who's been on the podcast a bunch of times he actually has a little spot on there where you can follow along one of his workouts thank you George for being so cool to provide that shout out to George Wiggins 502 steel mace on Instagram so let's get to our show sponsors real quick here so First one is freedomstrength.us. Freedomstrength.us has a discount code for you. It's SMN10. Get 10% off your discount, uh, off your purchase, and go there, buy a weight vest or a sandbag. But just check out what they got. Tons of stuff. Really good uh, place to go for all your shopping needs. If you're looking for a steel mace or a steel club and you haven't tried adxclub.com yet, you're making a mistake. Go to addictsclub.com and see what they have. These are adjustable steel maces. This is state-of-the-art mace technology made right here in the United States of America. Adjustable steel maces, adjustable steel clubs, really good product. Uh, when you get your hands on one of these things, you'll see they're special, they're unique, and it's uh, something that really enhances your training modality that you're into and then finally i want to talk about sleepy monkey training academy.com now sleepy monkey training academy is run by andrew emsley who he's been on the podcast a few times and he's also a show contributor he offers uh, advice to me and things like that on how to run the show and things to talk about and i consider him you know kind of like the hidden hand of the show where he you know, helps with things. So his support is greatly needed and I am very happy about that. So I love telling people about Sleepy Monkey Training Academy. Um, he's in Pennsylvania. 
you know, easily accessible from New Jersey, anywhere in Pennsylvania, whatever, tri-state area, worth the drive, even if you think you're too far away. Why? Because Andrew has a very unique training system. I've been through his system, and I can guarantee you, you will enjoy it. Um, you know, basically, I offer coaching as well. And for me to offer somebody else's coaching, they must be pretty legit. So, you know, check out SleepyMonkeyTrainingAcademy.com. Read what's over there and see if that's something that'll work for you. Thank you very much for listening to this advertisement up front. And now, without further ado, let's get to the podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. I am your host, Fred Moore, and today I have a very special guest, John Haas. He is a martial arts specialist located in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Um, practitioner of martial arts, a master of martial arts, but he doesn't really call himself master. He doesn't make me call him master, uh, but this is a awesome uh, conversation we're going to have. I'm excited. I don't know about the audience maybe they don't care but i'm really excited because i've been training under john haas now for a very short while uh doing collie stick fighting and hand-to-hand combat and i find it so interesting i find it so uh refreshing it's it's such a a great type of training um i've loved martial arts my whole life and i've never really dove in quite like this before and i owe it all really to you know, the mace pulling me into it. John, thanks for coming onto the podcast. Finally, um, it's been a while. We were talking about doing this. I think this is the right time, though. How you been, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Doing great here in New Jersey, South Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, Mount Holly, you guys uh, operate out of the Lotus Strength Training Academy. Lutus, no. Yeah, the, the Lutus Academy of Lutus. Martial Arts. Yes, I'm sorry. In the Mount Lutus. Holly, New Jersey. And you guys are going to be – give your new address out that uh, you guys are going to go – beautiful new place opening up. Although I love the old place. I really love it there. But tell everybody the new address. We are literally moving right across the street. So we will update all the website information as soon as we make that move. But we are moving right across the street. So it's still in Mount Holly, still downtown. And we're still serving South Jersey and all those communities for the Lutus Academy of Martial Arts. Okay, cool. And yeah, you are in South Jersey, serving South Jersey, but people from Pennsylvania can reach you. And I, for myself, I I drive down from the Jersey Shore. It takes me one hour to get there. And I don't find that to be a hassle at all. Um, When I drive home after the training, I just put on some really chill music and I reflect, I try to replay the whole two hours that I spend with you. 
And we'll talk about that later. We'll get into that. We're going to have to find out a little bit more about you first. And uh, I want people to know that you're an author. You wrote two books. One of them is called Warrior uh, Warrior Fitness, which which I read. And then uh, there's also Dad Strength, which I'm going to read that one too. And I do believe um, you are offering the audience a, a, a free book, which is great. Absolutely. And um, you also have a bunch of online courses, which I want you to talk about. So first things first, tell us how to get those books. Okay. So first thing, you get the Warrior Fitness book by going to warriorfitness.org slash book. All right. So it's pretty, pretty easy to remember, warriorfitness.org slash book. You can download a free copy of Warrior Fitness Conditioning for Martial Arts. And I will also give you the link for the dad strength book because I can't remember it right now. So we can put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. We'll check the show notes on that. No problem. And um, yeah, the website is warriorfitness.org. If you want the book, add in a, a forward slash and a book at the end. Okay. And um, what about your online courses? Those are also on the website, I assume. Literally everything is on the website. All of you can see, I've put together about 30, over 30 courses on all aspects of strength, conditioning, martial arts, internal power, and uh, Qigong energy work. So all those things are available on the website at warriorfitness.org. So go check those out too. Okay. And do they go like in like order or something like you need to start with video one you can you the i think the the cool thing that that i've done with the programs that i've created is you can start anywhere because people have different entry points into my type of training you know some people come in from say the mace world right and they get kind of sucked in and they go down this rabbit hole of all these different things yeah. And some people come in from the martial arts world. Some people come in from, you know, they just want to feel better. They want to feel healthier and stronger. And they come in from that. And, but it all kind of coalesces and comes together. And you can literally pick a program and start anywhere. That's great. That is really good. And, and um, like, you know, in, in this world of doing everything on video, um, is it harder or is it easier to, to train in person? What do you need? To, what do you need to know? Like, um, if you're going to use videos, is there anything a person should really know that's different or is it possible to just, you know, follow along with the video and, and get the same, the same stuff? So I, you know, I've been doing online stuff for about 10 years now, and I've had great success with people that I have literally never met in person mm. uh, following my work. And I have people who uh, use my courses from literally all over the world. And I get emails from these guys, you know, we chat We're, you know, I talk to them on Facebook, we're in some Facebook groups together. And these people have had really amazing success using my courses to become stronger, better martial artists, healthier, and they've never met me in person. So I definitely believe that this is a, it's a worthwhile way of training. 
And especially in this day and age, you can take advantage of someone's experience and skill sets and perhaps never even meet them in person. Although, you know, in-person training absolutely is the most, you know, beneficial. But if you can't, if you're in another country, if you're too far away, if you don't have the, the means to connect with these people, um, then online training is an amazing way to really kind of learn and get somebody's experience and be able to kind of incorporate those skill sets into your own practice. Yeah, I, I kind of asked that question as a setup, really, because I, as you know, I'm I'm a steel mace coach. And when well, you've been doing it 10 years, so you're good. You've, you, te- you do something for 10 years, you're going to be good. I've been coaching people online for maybe four years. And when I first started trying to teach people steel mace online, I was like, this is stupid. This can't be done. I, you know, I have to be uh, there. I can't, this is never going to work. And I wasn't really doing a good job because I didn't understand the technology. I didn't understand. I had to develop a different teaching technique. I was blaming it all on the system when I realized after a while, well, it's my fault. I'm not, I'm not actually doing my job. I could do this if I figure it out and I need to figure it out. So I actually coached people for free, like friends of mine, just so I could work out the difficulties of working with a video call or using these different platforms. So, um, you know, since you put out these, people have been putting out video programs forever. I mean, they used to be on DVDs and stuff like that. Right. And I think you Uh, probably learned off of a bunch back in your day. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I have, you know, if you go in my basement, I don't recommend it, but if you go in my basement, I have boxes of VHS tapes, you know, going way back. Okay. I don't even have a VCR anymore. I've got these VHS tapes that I refuse to get rid of. Don't throw them out. I will not throw them out. Technology will come back. Absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, from so many different uh, martial arts and even back in the day, looking at some of the early um, strength training work, like Scott Sonnen stuff and Zach Evanesh, and all these guys had VHS tapes before they even had DVDs and before we took everything online. And I've got all of that stuff that I've been learning from for over, you know, was it over 20 years now? Yeah. Probably, actually, probably more. I'm dating myself, but, you know, probably much more, much longer. Well, wait a minute. If you want to date yourself there, John, you might as well just start from the beginning because well, well, I need to first, uh, you know, you're, I, I did a post the other day and I was thinking about, uh, you know, going and training with you. There's some great martial artists, uh, masters around the tri-state area, no doubt. Um, but looking into your background and getting to know you over time and reading your book and meeting you at the workshop, that Steel Mace workshop at Martial Strength Training Academy that uh, – that was like last year or whatever. I, I got to realize like, you know, you're like one of the few people, like you have 40 years of training. You started what, when you were 10? I Yeah. I started when I was in third grade. Yeah, man. I started in third grade doing Taekwondo um, in my best friend's basement. Okay. So learning from what? Learning from, I, I believe it was a friend of his dad's 
who this guy had just gotten his black belt and he was he was in the process of building a school but he wanted to start teaching and he didn't he didn't have a place to teach yet and we actually started training in my buddy's basement i think it was just the two of us with this black belt in taekwondo and then eventually he moved into a school and we followed him but you know we started there and then from there, moved into some Okinawan karate, uh, Okinawan goju. And then finally, I started, uh, you know, so let's go back to the 80s, okay? The the 80s were the the ninja boom, if you I'm can remember. All I remember. Movies, oh, my God. I'm still in the you know, 80s with that. <laughs> Shokasugi and, uh, uh, you know, the master on the t TV show. So I desperately as a kid, I wanted to be a ninja. Like my two heroes were Bruce Lee and ninjas. And I was like, oh my God, which one do I pick? What do I, what do I want to do? And it happened that, you know, I remember this moment, like it was yesterday. I'm reading Black Belt Magazine. Yeah. Right? It's sitting in the backseat of my parents' car and I'm flipping through and I see this two page advertisement for a three-day uh, martial arts seminar that's going to be done by the grand master of the Bujinkan, uh, who was, you know, this Japanese martial arts master who was a certifiable ninja, right? He was, he inherited like uh, nine schools of Japanese martial arts and three of those were ninja schools. And as a 16-year-old kid, I'm like, oh my God, I have to go. I've got to get to this seminar. So I begged my parents because, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't drive myself. Um, I couldn't even register because I was under 18 and I needed a parent or a guardian to be with me all three days. So I had, you know, my dad came with me one day, my mom came with me the next day, my grandfather, I made him come with me the third day. And I met all these amazing people. And I met the guy who was going to be my martial arts teacher for the next 20 years, a guy named Jack Hoban. And I met Jack at this seminar in 1989 as a 16-year-old kid. And I, you know, I found out that he also taught in New Jersey. So I was like, oh my God. So this, as soon as I got my driver's license, I was driving as a 17-year-old kid twice a week to Asbury Park, New Jersey from central jersey so it was like an hour drive and i don't know how my parents let me do this because i had just gotten a driver's license you know i would never let my daughter do this today however you know back in the day my parents were like okay just be careful you know no yeah. cell phones no nothing Nah, just, parents were different back then i had just 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 drive be careful right so, as a 17 year old kid no I'm gps driving, no gps <laughs> i got a map i'm like how do i get to how did I get to Asbury Park? But I did that for 20 years. Like every, every week? Every week, twice a week, trained with him for 20 some years. And, you know, wow. and then from there, um, that was my impetus to when I got in college to go to Japan and become, you know, an exchange student for a semester. And I went to Japan and, you know, the entire goal of going to Japan was to train martial arts. But I you had to, to take classes. I happened to take some classes, you know, 
I may or may not have done really well, but hey, my Japanese language skills improved and I got to train with Hatsumi, who is the grandmaster of Bujinkan. And I got to train with him on a weekly basis. What was the style of training you were doing for those 20 years under Jack Hoban? It's called Bujinkan martial arts. Okay. So you continued the same thing with this other guy. I'm sorry. I don't, I forget his name already, but the one guy in Japan. So you're continuing. Yes. So Hatsumi is Jack's teacher. Uh, Okay. Right. So, okay. So this is fascinating. So you spent 20 years learning that style from Hatsumi's student. From yes, from Jack Hoban. And then you show up like, hey, I'm the student of your student. What did he think of you? So this is is a funny story, man. I, you know, I went there in 1994. Okay. So I was in college, I was studying Japanese, and I had a letter that was written by Jack's wife who is also Japanese. So she had written me an introductory letter to give to Hatsumi. And she had coached me on, you know, what to say when I met him. So I had this whole speech memorized in Japanese, you know, and I'm going to go there and I'm going to walk up to him and say in Japanese, you know, all my, my whole introduction. Right. And I had this in my head and I'm, I get on the train. I'm in Tokyo. I take, the were you train. nervous? Oh my God. I was like, freaking ridiculously nervous yeah i go to i get on the train i finally find where the dojo is and it's in this big sports complex and i'm looking around and i'm at the receptionist desk and i'm trying to make myself understood and as i'm talking to this receptionist i'm trying to say you know i'm here for the bujinkan class and what happens is all of a sudden there's a commotion behind me. I turn around and I see Hatsumi walk in with three of his senior instructors. And he walks in, he walks right up to me. And in English, he goes, hi. And I was like, I couldn't say anything. I forgot everything. I forgot my speech. I forgot to give him the letter. I was just like, Nothing. Then he just looked at me and he walked away. But he knew who you were. And that's he, why he said he hi. Did, he did. Yeah, he did. And then we he was expecting know, you, right? After after the class, one of the translators was kind enough to bring me over and help me because I was like, I still couldn't remember anything. All my language skills were out the window. Really? You couldn't get you couldn't recall any of it? I was able to say hi, nice to meet you. You know, and in Japan, uh, I mean, in Japanese, you said it. in Japanese. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's that's still cool that you got you got to show them that you tried to learn something and you, oh, you it respect might, but it, it was it was embarrassing. as hell, Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that's, that my, yeah, that was my first meeting with him. That's fascinating. That's so funny that it, that's I'm sure a lot of people listening to this story have something similar, like, you know, they're. They're, they have these plans and they practice and they're going to get up there and they're going to, they're going to hit a grand slam and the whole thing goes haywire because you just not, you're not prepared for all those little things that happen in between your plans. So that's a, that's really cool. So did he think you were a, um, a well 
crafted martial artist um, after your 20 years of, I don't know. If that's yeah, so, a... it, so it wasn't, it wasn't 20 years. Cause this was 1994. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So All I right. had been, I had been training about maybe five years. Oh, okay. So what did he think of your, your skill level at that uh, time? I mean, so like, not I, my I mean, question really is what was his, attitude toward you because i have a picture in my mind where you're going to see this guy is he i'm picturing very disciplined and very like he's not going to give you you know he's not going to pat you on the back for nothing uh, hatsumi sensei is is uh an enigma in the world of japanese martial arts because when you think of like a a high level japanese martial artist you think like very strict, very serious, very like no nonsense. Hatsumi is the opposite. Oh. He's like laughing, joking, drawing like pictures of naked women, like with uh, Japanese writing. And like, he, he's a, a, an amazing guy. But so when I met him, I was just like, I was so nervous. He knew how nervous I was. And he was just like, you know, he's like, come, come in, train, enjoy. And, you know, he put you at ease. He put me at ease. And I was, I got to tell you, I was out of my element because yeah. I was in this dojo full of people who were way, way better than me. I mean, there were people from Europe, from Australia, from the U.S., who had been training and living in Japan. And I had, you know, I was a high, high school um, college kid who had like maybe five years under his belt. And I was way out of my element, but you know, they made me feel at ease. Like I had a great time. I learned so much that that semester that I was in Japan. So it was, it was amazing experience. Yeah, that sounds so awesome. I mean, wow. This is so far, this story is great. Even just how you started off in the basement doing Taekwondo, like that you, you could have been in another kid's basement, you know, I don't know, smoking weed or whatever. And, and wow. you just so happen to be in this basement and the father's like, hey, I'm going to teach you some stuff. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Right. And yeah, next absolutely. thing you know, you're like pulled into this world where you wind up in Japan training under so so hatsumi was how old was he uh when you met him uh let's see that was like middle-aged or he was probably in his late he's i think he's 90 now so oh, he was like in his 60s he must have been in his 60s yeah so and then he must have started when he was a kid right i assume so who did he learn the style from so hatsumi trained with a uh, a guy, a teacher named Takamatsu, and Takamatsu was this guy who had learned several different styles of Japanese martial art, and he had learned ninjutsu, and he took that all of his experience, and he was uh, kind of putting it into practice because he went to China back in like I want to say the twenties. So completely rural, um, really not not a lot of laws going on back there. There were mountain bandits and things. And if you read some of his exploits, 
he's talking about how he would get he got jumped by bandits in the mountains and he beheaded these guys and i mean just crazy stuff that sounds like a movie but this was his life and then when he was older he had all of that experience and he was living in in uh japan and i think he owned a restaurant i i believe and hatsumi kind of got introduced to him and Hatsumi became the successor to these nine schools of martial arts that Takamatsu taught. And then now Hatsumi is the grandmaster and he kind of uh, is the head of the, the schools. Okay. That, wow. So, so Takama, Takamaki, Takamatsu, 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 then you got, uh, Me? The, uh, ha, what's Hatsumi. his name? Hatsumi. Hatsumi. Then there is um, Jack. Jack. So and then you, there's you. So if you're familiar so with, four. Uh, um, you know, do you know the name Stephen Hayes? Yes, I read his Stephen book I, when I was in the yeah, 80s. Right, I, that the was 80s, the book. Right? So Stephen was Stephen Hayes was the first American to train with Hatsumi, and Jack was one of was the second or third wow so are so, you the no. third or fourth or no, 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 oh, okay no. so many americans started coming many, in after that. yeah yeah absolutely. it blew up everybody it started up. oh my god okay well you had that big ninja boom in the 80s and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and you had stephen hayes's books and uh videos vhs tapes which i still have right right um, and so there were tons of people training in, in Japan and training in the States. Um, so yeah, I was just one of many. That is, that is wild. So that's Japanese style martial arts. That's what you're calling it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's like, it's, it's like a mix of all these different it's styles. Old, it's old school um, Japanese martial arts. So it's things that were used on the battlefield right? So you have um, people training with spears, training with swords, training with all types of sticks and chains, and of course, unarmed combat. So all of that comes together in this in this umbrella of the Bujinkan martial arts organization. Okay, that's cool. Because when I come and train with you, and you give me instruction, uh, that's what we're doing. We're basically um, going back and forth between empty hand. I'm, I'm holding collie sticks. You're you're describing to me how this all translates down to fighting with your empty hands back to the to the sticks. I get it. It's so cool how you describe it. Also, I see your teaching style kind of coming out of the way you were you were trained. Um, you 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 said that you had people who taught you that were relaxed and and like it wasn't a very serious highly disciplined thing and that's the way i feel with you i feel like i could just come in we could joke around we're making jokes we're saying stupid stuff and then we're and then we get into it and then we kind of back out and i think that's such a great way to learn because you kind of put yourself into a pressure cooker of focus i'm trying to learn from you um, and I'm like, okay, he just told me this, this, and this, let me see if I could do it. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard because you're like, your brain is just going haywire. And sometimes you get like a little 
self-conscious because your instructor's watching you and you make up shit in your head like, oh, he's he's going to be unhappy. <laughs> like, it's stupid stuff. And right, then yeah. and then, you know, we back out, we joke a little bit. And then all this like cool chemistry happens The the your memory patterns start to start to take hold. And and I think that it's that that relax and pressure, relax and pressure. And of course, you're not really putting pressure on me. I'm putting it on myself, but you're facilitating all this, which is, I think, cool. And you must have learned that from these guys, right? Definitely. I mean, I, I learned so much from from Jack and. I think a lot of my teaching style uh, I got from him and I, you know, but there's also a, a bunch of other things that as I grew and matured and got more experience, I started to incorporate many other things into my teaching as well. So, you know, the Japanese martial arts were kind of the, the platform, the foundation, but then from there, I started to get into strength training. Because I think I said earlier that Bruce Lee was one of my inspirations. Yeah. And Bruce was kind of one of those super early innovators of combining strength training and fitness with martial arts for the goal of performance improvement, right? You know, he didn't bodybuild just a bodybuild. He, he strength trained to get better at martial arts. So as I started to learn more about his methods and research his stuff, I was like, wow, you know, I really need to get into strength training and I need to do some fitness work. And I need to kind of understand how this all comes together because if I want to really improve my performance to the highest levels, well, then I need to understand what performance improvement actually is and how to train myself and my students to get there. So, you know, I started studying strength training and I happened to kind of fall into studying with Scott Sonnen and his circular strength training back in the early 2000s. And this was, um, you know, this was, I think you and I had talked about this. I think you and I had talked about this. Um, I was teaching martial arts in a park, you know, back in the early 2000s. And, you know, it was it was a park near my parents' house. And I had, you know, I had grown up going to this park. And I knew I was the only one teaching martial arts in this park, right? Until one day, I'm sitting there. And I actually look over across from me, and I see some guys practicing martial arts. And I'm like, what the what's going on over here? So I go over there. Were you pissed? I, were you, were you no, going to no, kick no. him out? I was yes, curious. you were. Get out of here. <laughs> like, this, is my, this is my park. This is my park. What are you doing? <laughs> but I was curious. I'm like, who else is training martial arts? Yeah. So I go over there and there's these, a couple guys and they're actually training Russian martial arts. When did you know they were teaching Russian martial arts was it when they told me okay. <laughs> I had no idea. Did, what did they sound like did they sound like broken english russians or well honestly one of so uh the two instructors guy named oleg who was russian and a guy named dave who was american um and i think there were a couple other people at the time but um i you know i was like what are you guys what are you guys doing 
So they start to talk to me about, oh, you know, we're teaching Russian martial art and it's this um, Ross system. Ross is like an acronym for Russian system of self-defense or something like that. Um, and I had read about it online. You know, I had seen like, you know, Scott Sonnen at the time was the head of this Ross Russian martial arts system in the US. So, you know, I kind of knew a little bit about it, but I had never trained it. So I said to these guys, I'm like, hey, I teach martial arts. Why don't we cross train? And we ended up cross training together. And it was a it was amazing synthesis of Japanese martial arts and Russian martial arts. And eventually, um, from this guy, Oleg, he, he one day he came in and he's carrying this cannonball with a handle. I go, what the hell is that? Because remember, this is 2000 or 1999 even. Yeah. I had never seen a kettlebell before. And he shows me, he goes, this is a kettlebell. And I'm like, what the hell do you do with this thing? And he basically said, you know, you pick it up like this, you swing it like this. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, I need to get me one of these. What did he say specific? Did he like, what did he like about kettlebell? Do you remember like what he, he touted as the, the main reason why he brought this thing to the park and why it's I so. Mean, he was, he basically said, you know, look, this is one of the best ways to do strength training. And Can you say why? I mean, he basically told me that he was, when he was a kid, when he was like 12 or 13 years old, there he had in his backyard, there were like kettlebells that were just kind of sitting there. Huh. And when he was 12 or 13, his dad took him outside and his dad said, okay, here's how you do this. And it was basically just taught father to son type thing. And he had just learned how to train with kettlebells just as a kid. So what year would that be? Like in uh, the 80s or something? Or I can't even remember. I know he was a little bit older than me, so it might have been might have been a little earlier. So the kettlebells really they were they snuck into the system here and they're now they're here and everybody knows what they look like. In 2000, no, I don't think I even saw one. I don't I, I don't remember. And it's it's just amazing to think people were training with these things like almost in secret, almost like in the middle of the forest or something. Right, yeah. And it goes back. It kettlebells goes back a pretty far way from yeah, yeah. you know, and then yeah, you, there, you see there's similarities to these other things that they use in China um that look like kettlebells, but they're like stones. But right. it's it's really interesting the kettlebell because it seems like a, a natural thing that just happens in within um a society it just like it, a some form of kettlebell training will appear so that's that's yeah. pretty wild so was, now they got they introduce you to the kettlebell and they got you working out with it and then what's was this uh russian style was this what you would call sistema now it it was so sistema just means the system Okay. Right? So it's kind of like saying karate because oh, okay. it's like a hundred different types of karate. Right. And so in Russia, apparently there are several types of martial arts called sistema. Okay. So this one, this particular one that I was studying with these guys was called sistema Ross, R-O-S-S. -S. Oh, okay. All right. And that was the 
uh, form of Sistema that Scott Sonnen had brought back from Russia. So he was, I believe, I may be misquoting this, but I believe Scott was one of the first Americans to train behind the Iron Curtain in Russia and learn Sistema. Yeah, that was going to be my next question about him, uh, because yeah. you said that he was the first American. This is going way back. That So how did he – do you know the story there? Do you know how he managed to get behind the Iron Curtain? Did he just say, I mean, yo, I just want to get jacked, and people were <laughs> over there were like, yes, you yeah, must. Sure. <laughs> no, so apparently Scott was um, training in Sambo, which is Russian like wrestling, mm -hmm. kind of like the Russian version of BJJ. Um so Scott was a very, very high level Sambo player. Okay. And he was he had a reputation. Known. He had a reputation. Like he was, he was in the, um, you know, I want to, I, I want to say Olympics, but I don't think that that doesn't seem right, but he was a high level comp competitor in Sambo. And uh, so he was well known and he got an invitation because of his uh, Sambo skill and prowess. He got an invitation to work with, the head of this Sistema Ross, a guy named General Ratinsky, who was is kind of the grandmaster of this style of Russian martial art. So Scott wow. trained with him, and then he brought it back to the U.S., and he created an organization in the U.S. that was kind of training this type of Sistema. And then from that, that's where his circular strength training came from. So he kind of took the exercises and methodologies from the Russian Sistema and translated over into his circular strength training system, which today is called TACFIT or tactical fitness, right. right? But, you know, back, nobody really remembers how this all started, but I was there. So, right. <laughs> you know, I got to, I got to train with Scott um, and then I was one of the first instructors uh, to be certified in his circular strength training system back in 2004. So that's this, amazing. Where did you train with Scott? He actually remember that park I was telling you about. Yeah, he came to the park because he used to live in Pennsylvania um, before he moved across the country, and uh, he came to the park. And back in like I want to say 2001, he did a seminar just for like 30 bucks, you know, in the park for a bunch of us. And then two of his other instructors did another seminar for us um, a couple months later. And then I got, you know, then when he started to teach his circular strength training system, um, that was when I was like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to get certified. I want to, you know, I want to be a strength coach. I want to understand how all this process works and how this fits together and how this martial art and this, you know, club bell, right? Because that was the uh, the hallmark of the circular strength training system was the club, the club bell. Uh, I want to understand how all this stuff works and how do I put it into my practice? And then how do I teach that to help my students get better, stronger, more skilled, better conditioned, all that good stuff. Yeah, that and that's and that's where like I kind of come in on this conversation because I meet you. Um, again, I, like I said earlier, I met you at the Steel Mace workshop, and you were just a, a student like me. Um, and you just 
did your thing and I, and you know, we talked a little bit and that was it. And, and, um, but you're one of the few, I mean, you're within driving distance of me and you're, you're handing me clubs when we're training martial arts to teach me things. And it's such a familiar thing in my hand. You know, I'm used to using it. I'm familiar with tack fit, um, all this stuff. So, I mean, it just works together. So, Back in those days, when you were introduced to this, you were a martial artist with uh, quite a few years now behind uh, behind you, and you come across this this system of uh, training with clubs, strength, circular strength training. Right from right. a martial artist point of view, what was the appealing thing? Ah, uh, so many things, so many things. But you know the. To me, what really hooked me was the fact that clubs and maces, you know, were specifically designed to help warriors become stronger. And if you look at the patterns of movement with a club or a mace, it is a literally building the exact types of must neuromuscular patterns you need to for martial arts for striking for throwing for grappling and hell yes for weapons work right because a mace is a weapon a club is a weapon and when you kind of stimulate those neuromuscular pathways with your club and with your mace then you are priming your body for excellence in all sorts of sport, combat sport, and martial art, because literally they are designed to do that. So that what that's what really got me excited about it was like, I saw the potential. And when I started to train with it, I felt how I could hit, hit, hit harder, and my movement was smoother. And I was able to get into like a, a flow better. And I was obviously better conditioned, but I was able to just kind of naturally um, get better at my, my all of my martial arts through those through using the the clubs and and then later on through using the mace, like just kind of helps everything fit together so so perfectly. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. I I so I come into this from the steel mace steel club side. And quite aware of martial arts and feeling all along, right from the first time I swung a mace, right, right till now, that there's this is a very special thing. It, it it's it's apart from regular, you know, bodybuilding, but it can be used. It, it's very uh, flexible. It could fit into all these different things. It, it could promote athleticism, but the the martial arts thing kept ringing to me over and over especially when I was using steel clubs because mm -hmm. uh, the, the movement patterns, as you get used to these movement patterns and like how you kind of coached me, you were saying not too long ago, it was maybe the last time we were together, you were saying how everything starts off broad and then you start to kind of make your movements more focused and tighter and more refined, but it all starts kind of like clunky and broad. Right. And you, when you said that, I just pictured steel clubs because when I first started using steel clubs, I was like, oof, this is very clunky and weird. And But then when you start getting more refined, 
you start noticing there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of depth to the movement and there's things going on that I, it sounds weird, but I couldn't figure out like what, where does this movement really begin? Where does it really end? As I'm pulling this club up into position from a swing and I'm getting that little extra pull and I'm leaning a certain way and I'm counterbalancing. I really feel like I'm in a fighting stance here. I feel like there's something here. And then I started kind of studying you and watching you on Facebook. And and I was just thinking a lot. And I said, I bet you if I go to him and I learn martial arts without a club in my hand, without a weapon in my hand, there's going to be these fine tuned movements that are going to sync up when I go and I use the clubs and Mm -hmm. then it's going to backfeed. And of course, you know, my, my hunch was correct. That's my story. As from your point of view, why should a person who swings mason clubs come and train martial arts with you? Well, I think, you know, I think that's a great question. And I also think you answered it just now. But uh, I was hoping there'd be more. <laughs> there's there's more. Okay, good. But I definitely think that, you know, you alluded to the feeling of when you're holding a club or you're holding a mace and you start swinging it, you feel like you're doing a martial art. Mm. And in effect, you are, because like I said, you are really priming all of the neuromuscular patterns that martial artists have been using for thousands of years to, uh, to create their, their movement platform. Right. And I think, you know, you and I have discussed this um, previously, but the the most important thing to develop is you as the this movement platform, right? You are kind of what moves everything. So if you can, if you are able to develop yourself and kind of strengthen what what you, you as a delivery mechanism, right? Then anything that you pick up, you're going to be better at with. So when you work on your own body, uh, you do you know, do your unarmed movement, you do your body weight exercises, and then you start to incorporate clubs, maces, kettlebells, martial arts, you kind of get to what I've been calling a unified theory of fitness and martial art, right? Because it all starts with you as this delivery platform, right? So when I start to understand how I operate better, then everything that I do becomes easier and better. And I create these patterns of movement using, you know, anything that I put in my hand. Right. That's um, that. So that's the thing that I'm, you know, I'm noticing even tying it back to just regular weight training, even like going on a pec deck machine. It, you know, like I hear a little voice in my head. I hear, I hear John Haas, like, you know, with your little techniques, you know, like, like when you throw a punch, there's more to it than just that punch going forward. There's other things happening and how you break it down. And it's like, it's like you're a scientist and you're just, we're going over, things that well what i like uh, is i'm able to train for two hours with you and um 
that's a pretty special thing. And I'm able to go in the mornings, which is, you know, just going to night classes is almost impossible for me. And um, so that's why it's so it, it's so important for me to, to capitalize on this. I, I, you know, if you offer that to other people, I'm sure they would be, they would be interested. Um, but two hours of training with you is like exponentially more than two one hour sessions. If you know what I mean? Like it's, you're there for two hours and I feel very relaxed and I can learn. We can talk about a lot of stuff, train and talk. And I, and I think that that's an important thing. Sometimes you go to a martial arts class, you got one hour, there's a warm up, there's a cool down and you just blast through a lot of stuff. It's pretty high energy, which is great. But I think sometimes we miss out on being able to ask a lot of questions and talk things out. And that's what I appreciate about working with you. And, and um, what I notice is all these discussions we have, it, it, it pops up, it pops up in everything else I'm doing. Even like when I'm grabbing a tool off the rig on the fire truck. So it's fantastic. I I really think it's great. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the the longer sessions really lend themselves to deeper learning. Yeah. I think that's another topic that you and I have talked about a lot is that idea of really being able to learn something at a deeper level because Today, we have so many people who are, you know, an SME, a subject matter expert, but really, they just kind of know about something, right? They're, they're not really, they don't know, they know about this much, and they know it's, you know, very surface level, right? So they think that they're a subject matter expert. The problem is, they're not a substance matter expert because there's no depth to their knowledge. There's no depth to their learning. They're just kind of talking around things and they know like a little bit and they think that knowing about something is akin to actually knowing something. And they're so far removed from each other, right? You know, we've talked a lot about not only learning and the depth of learning, but also mastery and what it takes to to actually master something and to me like at the beginning of this you said that I was a master I don't agree I do not agree I think that I've got years and years of training ahead of me to keep going and I actually think that you know we are we can be masterful in moments right I feel like when I'm on the mat and I'm training and I'm teaching, I can be masterful in a movement, in a moment, in in a class maybe, but then I go home and I have to empty the dishwasher and take out the garbage and you know all that and I'm not I'm not a master, <laughs> you know. I'm just some dude who's like taking out the trash, right? So I don't quite think I'm at that level of being a master, but to me, the important thing is the process, right? The journey of constantly going deeper, of constantly learning more. And it's not learning more stuff or more techniques. It's taking what's one thing, like Musashi, if you've ever read the book of five rings, like 
Musashi said one thing, no 10,000 things. He didn't say no 10,000 things. He said from one thing, no 10,000. That means learn the shit out of your craft, right? Become masterful in your craft. And then once you reach that level, you'll see the connections. You'll understand. You'll have a broader view. You'll be able to see farther because you're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Not You're not the giant. You're standing on the shoulders of giants and you have that depth of knowledge and now you can see more. You can create connections. You can have deeper understanding and you can teach better because you are a master of your craft, right? Right. To me, like, I'm constantly working on myself because one, I really want to understand martial art and strength and life. You know, I want to have that wisdom of the masters. I want to really get that into my soul. But the other part is that I love teaching. And to me, if I'm not working on myself, I don't feel, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my students because they deserve me being at my hundred percent best when I teach them. And they deserve me being able to give them the depth of knowledge that I've accumulated over decades of training. But I'm not standing on what I learned 10 years ago. I'm learning something new today, right? You know, I told you, I told you the other day, like um, when I'm in between clients, when I'm doing my personal training and I'm in between clients, I'm working on stuff that, you know, I, I think I need to work on and constantly refining my skill, refining my understanding. And then from that, being able to teach better and give people more because I think that's what it's about. Like it's about that continuation of knowledge, right? I was lucky enough to have amazing teachers. Um, and, you know, I have such a debt to my teachers, to, uh, to Jack, to Hatsumi, to all the people, all the people that have taught me, Scott, because without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the understanding and the depth of knowledge that I have. But also, if I wasn't disciplined enough to work on what they taught me, I wouldn't be where I am today. So it's a two-part street, right? You have to yeah. be taught well, but then you have to work your ass off to get it. Because yeah. if you don't, then you, shame on you, right? Right. Exactly. And and that's that's with anything in life. And, you know, that's the the beauty of like I recognized that you have a long history and then when I got to know you better um you mentioned to me that you you trained in Japan you trained with Scott so then it occurs to me well I'm not probably ever going to go train in Japan that I know of although I am open to it um <laughs> I'm probably never going to train with Scott Sonin I'm probably not going to Go to Iran and train, you know, uh, juries and stuff like that. Hmm. But I can meet and train with the people that have. And so I look at it as like an individual like you, where you have this 
pretty rich history and you have uh, a platform where you're teaching people and you're a good teacher. Um, and that is something that I don't know what people do nowadays. I feel like a lot of people overlook something as rich and beautiful as that is. You could literally tap into, like I could tap into Hatsumi through you. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that take? It means I got to show up. I got to pay attention. I got to put in my due diligence. You have a lot to teach and I have a lot to learn. And boy, oh boy, there's not enough time in a day. And you know, like this, this, this same thing that you just said applies to me too. I need to constantly uh, tap into my, my teaching source. I need to constantly refine how I learn and, and think about and put in the hard work and train. And, you know, that's like when I drive home, you know, I was listening to a podcast on the way home and then I, it occurred to me, maybe I should shut all this off and spend the hour reflecting on oh, half the time. I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat, John. All right? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't have that kind of focus, but I'm working on it. You know, that's the whole thing. I'm working on it. And I realized like, no, no, I could replay the whole two hour session in, in this drive home easily, if I apply myself and I think it'll work, like it'll help me remember better why yeah, go yeah. there and train with you and then forget 50% of it. And only remember the last 15 minutes that I did. I might as well just train with you for 15 minutes then. Right. So that's what I'm doing. And, and I think it's, uh, I think it's working for me. And if anybody listening, there's a little tip of advice, you know, you go to, co you go to a training session, a workshop, or, you know, you go to steel mace coach, whatever it is you're doing, uh, on the way home, you know, just do that reflect. And if it, if it's a quick ride home, then, you know, sit in the car for a little bit first or whatever, just give yourself a moment to, remember and absorb everything and it'll stay with you it, it does it stays with you like that do you ever do any like mind mental tricks like that absolutely i mean every every training session that i had you know i would on the drive home i would kind of debrief myself right i'd sit there and i and i as i'm driving I kind of reflect on, okay, what was, what did I learn? What were the important things? What do, and then from what I learned, what do I need to work on? Like, I think you always need to have, you, you should never leave a training session without some action steps for yourself, right? You know, even if you just take one thing, if I learn one thing from the training session, and then I work on that one thing, then I will be infinitely better than the dude who just left the training session and didn't think about it at all and just, you know, came back to the next one like, okay, I don't remember what we did, but let's go. Like, no, like the highest compliment I get as a teacher is when somebody walks into my class or my session and says, I was thinking about what you said the other day. Like, Thank God. People, right? people are thinking about what I say. <laughs> people are thinking, like, thank God. One, thank God you're thinking. And two, thank God you're thinking about something I said, because we're going to continue talking about that. And if you haven't processed what I've given you, it's hard for me to give you more. Right. I always tell my students, like, I want to give you 
more. I want to teach you more. I want to take you to a higher level of learning, of training. But unless you're putting in the work, if, if you don't have that foundation, it's hard for me to bring you here when you haven't done the foundational work. Yeah. So when somebody is like, I was thinking about what you said, and I really kind of, I'm like, oh, I feel so good. Like, thank you. That's yeah. the highest compliment you can give me. It's like, what you said made an impression on me that I was thinking about it. Yeah. That, that's amazing. I love yeah. that. And you know, you're not like uh, wasting your time when you hear that. You, and you know that like your, your teaching is actually landing. Like, you know, as, as, as an instructor myself, sometimes I wonder, did I do that right? Did I say that right? You know, we, we're all yeah. human. We have our little, yeah. like, you know, voices in our head. So it's nice when you get feedback like that. I love that. I get DMs sometimes people, will you know say something nice like that and i'm like oh, so appreciative like even like with the podcast people say oh you did a good job with that with that yeah. episode i'm like really what did you like about it i'll do more of that you know exactly. like yeah yeah so john i want to be respectful of your time uh, i know an hour's up but um can i ask one more question maybe it'll be a short answer uh so i like how you call it warrior fitness and everything because that is you know what we're doing we're training like how warriors did and everything uh, reflecting on society, today's society, um, is it a pipe dream for like uh, guys like me to say, hey, come on, man, wake up. You know, you got to embrace the warrior attitude. Is this is this a thing of the past or is this like a, a legitimate way for men who are lost to to go and, and find like solid ground? Wow, that's not a short answer. <laughs> you could just say yes or no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that that's a whole nother podcast or a book. Yeah, a um, book. A book. Yeah, that, you, you should... heard it here, everybody. John's new that, book. Maybe no, I'll no. get the I'll get to write the forward to it. Maybe, or or you and I will, will write it together. Ah, I I could do that. I could do that. But uh, no, man, I think that. I think that the the warrior arts and the warrior lifestyle are a hundred percent legitimate way for men to really kind of focus and discipline themselves and to have to have a mission, to have a cause, right? Like we need to we need to be needed, right? We are by nature, we are protectors, we are defenders, we're providers. And if we're not doing those things, then something inside us kind of dies. And I think that being a warrior is probably one of the, the most important callings for men, especially today, because it seems like a lot of people are lost. And when you understand your role in society, as you know, I'm, I'm a protector, right? I I protect my family. I defend my loved ones. If if something happens and I'm there, guess what? I'm the guy, right? And if I don't know I'm the guy, then there's a problem. So I definitely and, and you know this is actually a much longer answer, and we could talk about it some other time. But I, yes, hundred yeah. percent agree that being a warrior training like a warrior and having a purpose, right? Having a purpose is something that men must do. 
and they need to have a focus. They need to have a purpose. They need to have a mission. And that's something that will help you to, to be a better man, to be a better father, to be a better um, husband or, or, you know, significant other or whatever you are, you know, better friend, right? Definitely a better teacher. So hundred percent agree. Yeah. Great answer, man. And, um, you know, I could, I could just say to close out that, you know, maybe guys are scared, you know, when like I'm a protector, like, I don't know how to protect anybody. Well, how do you fix that? You sign up for martial arts, you go work out with weights, you eat right. You stay away from, you know, abusive, um, you know, like cigarettes, drink, drinking, stuff like that. You focus more on the, on what your purpose is. And by taking those actions, you then feel like you're on your mission. So now that satisfies that part of it. And then you feel confident because you take classes and you learn how to fight and you learn how to protect. That's mm -hmm. how you do it. It's that simple. You just have to put it all together best way that you can. And I would say you don't need to have like a really like intense plan. You just need to start somewhere. If there's a, friggin' studio down the street that teaches some kind of martial arts, or even if it's yoga and you're just sitting there and you don't know what to do, just do something, get going. You could always, you know, fine tune and, and adjust later. How's that sound? Right. That sounds great. And I also think, you know, if you're in or near the South Jersey area and you want to study martial arts, the Ludus Academy of Martial Arts, LudusMMA.org is the best place because I've been around martial arts for 40 years and our, our school, our teachers are pretty damn impressive. And uh, I think we have a great community that we've, we've got the, here at the Ludus. Yeah. I'm sensing that as well. I haven't really met any uh, of your other students yet, but I know I probably will one of these days. Um, and you know, you definitely have a great place training all different stuff. Uh, it's just, it's just fun. And your knowledge of history and everything really helps tie it together. So you, you can appreciate what you're, what you're learning, you know? So, yeah, I, um, I do recommend if anybody is in the Jersey area, uh, especially if you're South Jersey, you got no, no excuse, just, uh, get in touch with John, check the show notes below for all the information. If you need it, uh, how to get his warrior fitness book, his dad's strength book, and uh, where his website is, uh, warriorfitness.org, the 30 online courses that he offers. It's all there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, John, for coming on. And I look forward to having you back again. I think there's a lot more we could talk about. Thanks, Fred. I appreciate it. It's great talking to you. Thanks, man. Thank you.